Are you ready, Sammy? Ready to rock and roll. There it hey, is. everybody, it's Rob Ridley from National Fire Radio, sitting here with my co-host, Jeremy Donch. Hello. In the studio today, we got Tim Murray from White Cloth Fire and Bobby Ventura from Wallington Fire Department down here in Jersey. Uh, interesting note, Tim is a professional beer drinker. I don't know how the hell he got that job. I want it. Um, but anyway, let's, a lot uh, of practice. let's, yeah, let's go into some introductions here. So, Tim, uh, you're, you're from Wyckoff? Yes, I'm currently from Wyckoff, yes. But originally, you got hooked up with, with Bobby over here under some shenanigans uh, circumstances, but you were a member of, of, of Wallington, right? That's correct. I started in East Rutherford, served six years, and then I joined Wallington and uh, served Energy Company 202 for 17 years. Awesome, awesome. And then you came to, to White Cloth. And then, yeah, and then I moved. I moved out of Wallington, and I moved to White Cloth, and then uh, inadvertently joined uh, White Cloth. Inadvertently. I was ready to retire. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Yeah. I was going to retire, and uh, Mike Rose, who was chief of the department at the time, convinced me to do it, and uh, I'm, I'm ecstatic that I did it. It's a great department. Um, a lot of the values that uh, Wallington has, uh, White Cloth. By all means, mirrors it as far as the morale of the firehouse, the training, uh, respect to the older guys, and it's the uh, best place to be. When we started off, uh, we were here one night, and uh, Bushy Squirrel right. Tail went over here, said, Hey, White Cloth's got a job, let's go. And I said, What? And he said, Yeah, it's right around the corner. And we went and bought, and it was amazing to see the department in action because you could just tell they had their shit squared away right from the beginning. So, walking up to it. Yeah, so that was that condo job over at like Sunrise or whatever it was? So it was our off of Grandview, right? Oh, yes, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. So it was a one bedroom job, right? Room and contents, right? Single line up, second floor, boom, fires out, mattress goes out the window, fires out, right? So Rob and I are here. This is our first night ever doing a recording together, like officially. So he gets here a little early. We're we're trying to get like lay the groundwork. Tones drop for, for reported structure, you know, for I think it was actually something it came in something else and then it got upgraded to a structural fire and so on. So I look at Rob and I go, Rob, it's right up the road. I go, we we you can't, buff it. we can't yeah, not go. Gotta go. Right? You gotta go. Right. Yeah. So we scr- everything we had planned that night. We're like, let's go. Right. Jump in the truck. We go flying up there. We get there. Fire was already knocked down. It was a single line job. Right. So we get there and uh, we're talking to the chiefs and the command post or whatever. I'm introducing Rob to everybody, and uh, and then I saw Johnny and I and, and Johnny goes, oh, Michael's around the back. So I said, come on, let's go around back. So we went around back and they're. Banging out the window frame, right, and the double window wide, so they're taking out the center beam on the windows, and they're just hucking all the crap out the window, right? And, uh, and in the back is Mike Chempo, and he's, like, pointing. He goes, hold on, I need some pictures for fire engineering. i got to do this. <laughs> i got to yeah. pose for Typical me. Mike. Do, this, Michael, do that, right? Mike. So I introduced Rob, and I go, hey, what a cool experience, you know? Like it's, And that's what I love, real quick, just sidebar here is that's what I love about the area. We're in metro New York area. Uh, the cast of characters here is just – we're very fortunate, right? Yes, if you think about absolutely. it, on the on the on the big stage of firefighting, got a lot of talent. Yeah, a lot, lot of, of talent. talent, a lot of talent, a lot of great names, a lot of stand-up brothers, um, and so on. So anyway, I didn't mean to jump in with that, but uh, yeah, it was, yeah, cool. it was like, good. I actually uh, just uh, I, I had this app on my phone, so I was able to thug life Jeremy standing there, make him look gangster. Yeah, yeah, it's such an honor because Michael, I mean, what he has done for our department. And he continues, you know, continues to uh, to provide training and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah, always popping in the firehouse. I mean, it's an honor to have him in there. And the it's whole Chample family. Well, that's it, right? Uh, it's so a testament dedicated. to the family, right? Yeah. The father, the father was chief of the shops 
in the FDNY for many, many years and brings an incredible knowledge with him. And John is a home run. Now his son, his brother-in-law, like it's ju- it's just an incredible family. Um, Last act. You know, and, and, and God bless Nick. I mean, he still shows up at 3 o'clock in the morning for a CO arm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's around during the daytime. He's yeah. around in the middle of the night. He's right. getting a truck yeah. out. And that's a testament, again, to Wyckoff and to your department that you instill the values of how important it is for the customer service to the end user, right? Like Correct. our residents Absolutely. are the end user, and we have to provide 100% customer service 100% of the time. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, Bobby, you're yes. from Wellington. Yes. And you've been there, have you been lifetime. a lifetime member? Of lifetime, yeah. yeah. When did you start in the fire service? I actually started in 72. Uh, we uh, started a junior program at that time. And uh, I was actually a month shy of being 16, and they squeezed me in. Nice. Mm-hmm. And so I was a charter member of the junior department at the time. And uh, that's when I started, 72, and I got on a regular department in 74. Nice. That's and you've, cool. you've, you've done every, every rank? You've been chief? And yes, yeah, I've, been, I've done every rank, from starting with the juniors. Uh, juniors, I was a lieutenant and captain and so forth, and then moved right into the... The regular department and went through the ranks there. Awesome, awesome. And that, not only that, but chief of the department, right? And now we're coming back up back, Yeah, I, I came back as assistant chief. I, I, I served as captain quite a few years in between. Uh, I think captain's one of the best jobs. I agree with you. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> we were just talking about that. Yeah, I think absolutely. captain is yeah. one of the best jobs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I love I agree. it. Somebody's got to come to the Fairview and tell my captain that so he understands all this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's got to be right. <laughs> All right, so uh, Tim, Tim, we'll start with you. What, what was your first fire? So my first fire was uh, in 1987. It was uh, two days after I graduated Firefighter 1. And it was a Thursday night that I graduated Fire 1, and Saturday about 2 o'clock in the morning, we get dispatched to activate a Fire 1. Middle of the night, nobody shows up. I'm excited, couldn't wait to get there. I get to the firehouse, jump in. <laughs> At that point, I was, uh, we had a 1976 Ward of France, Engine 1. And, uh, you know, back then you had the hip boots, the woolen jackets, and I'm sitting in a jump seat ready to go, waiting for a driver. Driver finally shows up, Bill Vanderhorn. Officer shows up, and then we go. And we're the only engine on the road. So we got to, it's on the other side of town, down in Murray Hole Parkway. Basic activated fire alarm, nothing's happening. We turn on the Murray Hole Parkway, and the officer rolls, pulls open a push window, and he says, we got a job. He said, you're going to hit the hydrant coming in. You want to talk about it. Adrenaline pump. <laughs> oh, jeez. I just graduated fire one. Here I am. I got my first job. So I jump off. The chauffeur pulls in. We had we laid double three-inch lines back then. There was no five-inch no back five then. Inch. So we, we tag in with the three-inch lines. I get there. The officer tells me to take the inch and a half and go into the warehouse. It's a warehouse cardboarding mar- cardboard manufacturing building. we got smoke showing coming down the, uh, the roll-up doors. So he tells me to take the line. So I take the line in, not charged. And I must have walked 100 feet into this warehouse. And I turned around. I'm like, where's my officer? You know, where is he? So he was out there telling the guy, because back then there was no portable radios. Mm-hmm. It was basically just run or scream. So uh, he went out there. We charged <laughs> the line. Run or scream. I love that. That's and good. no tick cameras. It was nothing. It was just yeah, right. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> we made the fire room. And, uh, you know, we had to charge lines. So I go in there. He opens up the door. We go in there. We're suppressing a fire. And then uh, as we're suppressing a fire... It was, like, again, a cardboard manufacturing company, so it was from floor to ceiling. It was all car- cardboard, and we're, we're, we're pushing in on a line, and then some of the cardboard started falling down on us. Yeah. So we bail out, and not only we bail out, we lose the line. So now I'm without a line. 
cardboard's all over us. The fire's burning. You can't see two feet in front of you. So I was lucky. I had a great officer where he just pulled me, and we were able to, you know, pull out of the room that was on fire mm-hmm. and get back out to the front. But um, talking about breaking a cherry and being scared, That's by all wild. means, that was my first fire. So from yeah. very, from my first fire, I respected the fact that if it gets ahead of you and you're not prepared, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah. And that was two days after fire school. How many how many alarms did you end up going with the car? It went to a second alarm. Second alarm. And we were the first to winching company. We were there for a long time because it came in as an activated fire alarm. Right, right. And it was probably one of those where it was repeated, you know, alarm systems and, you know, nobody was coming out in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, That's a me- that is a, a memorable yeah, first you, job. Though, usually right? I back that question up a yeah. little bit. Like your first real fire with the training kicker. That kind of sounds like that definitely kind of checked all the boxes there. It did. I got wet quick. And I can tell you this, that, that when I pulled out, I, uh, you know, back in here, the big steel tanks, right? Yeah. So it took three guys to change your bottle. And I went out there, my father finally showed up. And he's like, hey, Butch, you okay? He says, you, you look a little white. I says, yeah, that I am. I says, I got to tell you what happened. And uh, I was just, from, from then on, and that was 1987, it's been, uh, it's been a great ride. That's a great ride. That's fantastic. So, and so many times, right? Yeah. Like what Rob just read, I'm going to reiterate it, like, most guys' first fire is like, ah, oh, the first fire was a brush fire. It was this, it was that. That's incredible. And Rob's episode, that hit every box you yeah. can imagine, right? Yeah. And not only that, but you want to talk about a learning experience? Holy crap. Yeah, respected right. the fire real quick. Yeah. So, Bobby, go ahead and tell us about food on the stove. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to blow your mind with this one. I was on a department one week. On a regular department. I was a junior, and I fought fires when I was a junior. Like, some stuff we got away with during the day when nobody was around and they needed help. You know, when you're uh, standing on a garage roof from breaking a window sure, sure. or whatever. But the first week I was on a department, we had two of the biggest fires in our area. We had the Basake Fire Talk fire. And I remember I was working in Rutherford with my family business, with my dad. And we were at the job, and Cole came in. And I remember coming down Erie Avenue in Rutherford and looking at the sky, and the whole sky was black. They had a whole factory complex going that was right under a viaduct. They had a whole block of houses going. That was my first. This this is my first job within a week as, as I'm on a on a department. Yeah, right. I'm just happy the microphone's now, on the table because you'd just be we, dropping it. No, listen. <laughs> and I remember being in in, in a. Back with some of the senior guys, and uh, one of them was Steve Plazinski, who was my uh, my junior advisor for two years, and he was an ex chief at the time. And we, we had a we set up a portable deck on trying to save. The, and actually, we were with East Rutherford Fire Department because at that time we had crew mutual aid, so everybody went in at once. And uh, we were in back of the houses, and he talked about rubber boots. I remember my legs starting to burn behind my boot. Wow. And I says, wow, this is hot, right? And finally, I said to this, we, we used to call him Steve-O. I said, Steve-O, I, said, I don't know about you, man, my leg is burning. He goes, mine is burnt. He says, we're going to have to bail. <laughs> he says, leave the deck on. He says, we, we got to get out of here, right? And he pulled yeah. down his boot. And I remember when we got by the, by the engine, rolled up his pants, and he actually had blisters on his legs. I didn't, but he did. Oh, my God. That, that was during the week. That Saturday... We had Main Street Lodi, and I was at a football game with our ambulance covering the game, and Lodi gets a kick-ass fire on Main Street, and this is where their borough hall is now. And this burnt blocks and blocks. It was, what Kru- year was, it was called Kruger, Bro- Kruger Brothers. 74. 74. Kruger Brothers. And my company wasn't supposed to go, but 
Company three, whose mutual aid that was, had a 25-year dinner that night. And when the tone came in, came in for our company. So we all... Yeah. Oh, wow, well, here we yeah, go, we right? Take it. <laughs> and our, our little combination rescue truck ambulance was a four in a line. Yeah. So we were all packed into this van, and our gear was on the engine. <laughs> yeah, right, so we had to wait for the engine. Always up on the hard so, suction, yeah. right? Up yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So we, we got to the call before the engine got there. And, you know, we waited for the engine, and, and it was just like, where do we go, man? This is this is like, That's wild. we were there the next day. I remember sleeping on a hose bed. The next morning, we were sleeping on a hose bed, and then Company 3 came and relieved us probably around 10 o'clock in the morning. After their party. After their party. Yeah, after, after their party. party. Yeah, thanks after for coming, party. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. But yeah. we, we also did nothing, but we also had a guy uh, with a leg injury, and we had, we, we crossed him against uh, across the Saddle River in in a reefs stretcher. <laughs> I, right. The Saddle River is yeah. not that deep, right? right? Right. But I remember we had to cross him across the river to get him to an ambulance in a reefs stretcher. Walked him through. We the walked river. him, carried, across, carried him through in the a reefs stretcher. In a reefs. Yeah, yeah. Back then you didn't worry, man. Right. I mean, now yeah. if you did that without a life preserver, <laughs> oh, yes. and everything, yeah, right. safety line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now you know what, what that entails. Yeah. But. And, and you have about fifty-five cell yeah. phones. So that was my two, yeah, right. yeah. two first fires within a week. It, it, it reminds me. I went to the fire academy That's down ridiculous. in Westchester to uh, do a critical incident stress debriefing class. It was like oh five or oh six, and Yonkers had some hellacious fires. And there was this guy from one of the ladder companies. And I was like, "Oh, what's it like driving up to these fires when these blocks are burning?" And he's like, "That's pretty cool. Like you you drive up, and then this safety officer pops out and pretty much puts his hands up and stops you. <laughs> and he says, "Set the ladder truck up here. I'm gonna have somebody put the fires down there. Don't worry, it's, it's coming. It's, it's coming." coming. <laughs> and, and I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, he was a kid. Like a couple minutes later, the three or four houses in front of us yeah. were." We're starting to light on fire, and I was just like, "Why?" That's just, yeah. That's that was, wild. So, well, thanks for joining us because yeah. uh, that was it, right? I mean, you tell. It's funny because you know usually Rob facilitates all the que- you know a lot of the questions yeah. and so on, and a lot of times, like like we said before, the the first fire is not the most memorable mm-hmm. fire. You two, which doesn't surprise me because the reason why for everybody watching and listening. The reason why we have two guys on set tonight is because you guys are the best of friends to begin with, and you also grew up throughout the firehouse together. And um, and I know you guys are good friends of mine, and so we enjoy the brotherhood and camaraderie. So that's why there's two guys in the studio tonight, um, and not just one sitting in the hot seat. The, the, each one by themselves would be several hours long, but we figured we'd get you both in here at the same time. No, I did not know those stories. And so for me sitting here right now, Usually we ask, like, all right, you know, first fire, great. What about some memorable fires? You just so, crushed so it. You just crushed yeah, it. So here we go. Right. Yeah. So I'm going right. to tell you my yeah, first no, memorable fire yes, please. is when I got accepted into Wally Tennyson Company 202. We had our uh, company meeting that night. It was on a Wednesday. And we get dispatched, report a fire adjacent town apartments, which is a garden apartments, two-story garden apartments. And we jump on a Mac, right? So back then, everything was jump seats, back steps, and the hose bed. So everybody jumps on a truck, company meeting, we're running heavy. So we take off and we go. So we come down, we make a main avenue, we're first due. We beat company three, which we actually have to pass their firehouse. And we, we, we come in there, we hit the hydrant, we drop in. So my brother and I, we're going to take the line to the number two floor. We pull up, we got smoke coming out of the second floor window, we got a job here. So I take the line, this is my first fire in Wallington now. I take the line with my brother, I'm on a knob. We go up there, 
Force entry into the door, smoke's banged down. You can feel the heat. Definitely got a rocking job, room and contents, etc. So I make the hallway, I come through the kitchen, and the only reason I knew it was a kitchen because I saw that the, the stove had the, the, the light blinking on it, and there it is, there's the fire, beautiful. Boom, they charge the line again, no portable radios, boom, charge the line, here comes the water. I open it up, and I got my brother pushing me, go further, go further, go further, and I'm, we're coming into the heat, we're in the oven now. And I got the line open, and I'm shooting the water, and the fire ain't going out. And I go a little further, and I can't go any further because it's so hot. And I got the water going, and I'm hitting it. I'm like, the fire ain't going out. So my brother and I, we run out of air. We drop down. Crew comes in there, comes, takes over the line. We go outside. We change our bottles. We're in the overhaul stage. I said, what did I miss? I mean, I had water on the fire. It wasn't going out. In the bedroom, there was a mirror. Yep. Floor, yep. the ceiling, yep. and I saturated the mirror. Yep. And I never, not one <laughs> drop of water, actually hit the, the, the main body of fire. And that was my first. That's so now I'm thinking, these guys going to think that. We go, come on, what's going on? You got to push yourself right, in right, the right, fire room. Right. I'm like, I'm trying, but I right. can't get there. Oh, my gosh. Four to seven. I still get my balls broke about that. I have a very similar right. experience. Absolutely similar. I was just talking in the, last, in the last episode we did with Jim Doggerty. I was talking about a fire that I forgot to put my gloves on as the backup man on the, on the first two line, right? Pull up. Fire out two windows, second floor, mask up at the front door, push the line in, right up to the second floor landing, zero visibility, started hitting heat, realizing I didn't have my gloves on, right? Nozzle man opens up the line, we start hitting fire. We're hitting fire like you wouldn't believe, right? Fire's not going out. Fire's not going out. What the hell's going on? Next thing you know, the heat's blistering on our left-hand side. We were shooting into a bathroom, and the mirror was reflecting the fire <laughs> from the fire room. Yep. And we weren't, we weren't hitting any fire. We were like, flooding the bathroom. I got it water. ridiculous. I got plenty of water. I put my hand in front of the screen. I lost my glove. I yeah, said, it's hot in here. Yeah. We yeah. got a problem. That's hilarious. Oh, what a similarity. I love it. That's, that's awesome. Dude, that's stuff. really funny. Bobby, what about you? Do you have a... You have a like, I mean, you got to have something in there where... That's good. Uh, God, there's been so many. But uh, unfortunately, when you, when you say memorable fires... It, it brings back the bad fires that I've without I've a doubt. Had, hey, yeah. You know, and uh, a couple of women we've had guys hurt or guys seriously injured, and we lost uh, Barney at the time. Yeah. And I was captain at that fire when we lost Barney, and uh, that fire is always on my mind. Mm-hmm. I go past that building every day, yep. and every day it's a reminder. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that day uh, I was running the fire. I, I was on a first do engine. And none of the chiefs had called in service at the time. And I was a captain of the company, which I told you before was one of my favorite jobs. And Barney was my captain from truck company. And he came up, he said, you start your mutual aid and this and that. I said, yep, everything's taken care of. We got him staging across the street. And then he went on his own. And, uh, you know, the next thing I know, they said he fell off the roof, you know, which I, I thought was almost virtually impossible because, yeah. you know, he was a truckman in Jersey City so many years. So, you know, that, that was a memorable fire. And, and unfortunately, like I said, you know, most of the fires that I think about, you know, are them kind of fires. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, we've had guys injured or whatever. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, just, to, you know, for everybody watching and listening, um, you know, uh, Barney was an active fireman in Wallington, Jersey City captain. Uh, yeah, captain. I, I, I was on the original juniors with Barney. Yeah. We were the charred members together. We were officers through the department together, so, you know. Right. Yeah. And he uh, he unfortunately passed at uh, line of duty death in yeah. Wallington 
several years back, yeah. and uh, he's missed every day. Yeah. And he was a good friend of a lot of guys. Yeah, but those are the kind of fires I, I think yeah. about. You know, memorable. I mean, there's just so many of them, yes. man. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a good one when I was side by side with him, and we originally went in his fast team, and that was Addison Avenue in Rutherford. In Rutherford. And we were up on a fire escape, and fortunately, we heard a pass alarm going off, and him with his big paws. <laughs> said, <laughs> We're on a fire escape. What was it? Maybe third, third floor. Yeah, third, third floor. floor. Third floor. And he took his, just broke the window out, and there was a Rutherford fireman that was lost, lost from his crew. Mm-hmm. Set his pass alarm off, and he actually seen his light and his pass, and grabbed them right from the window and pulled them out on a fire escape, saved them. Um, was he low on air and everything too, or, is, or just disorientated in the building? Or he was low on air because we pulled in. We were mutual aid engine coming in there, and uh, when we were coming up to the fire escape, Bobby and I had a quick conversation real quick because he came over missing firefighter, and he he knew right away. He goes, "Let's get up to that third floor. Let's get on that fire escape. If he's missing, he's on a fire floor, and that's where the fire floor was on a number three floor." And uh, we did. We 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 we, heard we ascended pass. that uh, that fire escape, and it saved his life. Yeah, and it was a partnership. Yeah. yeah, you know, we read into it. You know, we monitored nice the radio. We knew that uh, that there was a missing firefighter. We knew, uh, you know, luckily that we hit the right fire escape. Yeah, that's we uh, runs. We used to run a lot of mutual aid into the city of Poughkeepsie as a fast team. And one of the last, uh, I don't say it was one of the last ones we did, but like one of the last ones I did with a, a previous lieutenant, Alan Jones. There was, uh, so, you know, some things kind of went a little sideways for a few moments, and I just remember them saying on the radio, hey, we're, like, looking for this person. And I had just been tuned into the radio beforehand, so I was like, well, he was last up on this floor, so, like, if we got to go get him, like, it's going to, like, I knew Academy Street, and, you know, thankfully everything worked out, but it was just that, having that knowledge and then kind of listening to that radio and getting that game plan before you even get there. So, I mean, it's, you know. You know, speaking of fast teams, Bobby and I, when I was captain of the emergency squad, he was captain of the fire department, we implemented the fast team in Wallington. Um, that's when it first started coming out. You know, the training academy right. basically was, was implementing some other things. And we put it together for Wallington, where to this day, I mean, Wallington is fast team for Garfield, Lodi, uh, Rutherford, South, East Rutherford, South Bergen County. I mean, basically, whole South Bergen. Right. And it's, uh, it's because of the efficiency, because of the training, and because of the amount of manpower that Wallington shows up. You know, oh, and, and there's no secret that if there's a working fire, you call you know, Wallington, you come in with a, you know, an engine, a rescue, and right. plenty of manpower. Right. And train guys ready to go to work. Yeah, and and that's the that's the thing, right? I mean, we we are, we've been talking about numbers and manpower and this and that, but it's it's the quality of the men, it's or firefighters, right? And and you know, it's it's what you're bringing to the table, and um, and that has a lot to do with it. And in fast team too, there's there's specific training for fast team, right? Like if you're if you're going to implement a fast program in your department and you're going to supply a dedicated fast team to a mutual aid job or even to your own department, however you're set up. There has to be that that dedicated uh, discipline of training for that type of scenario, and I know for myself there were a few times where we went mutual aid in my department, and I'd get there, and that mutual aid chief would say, "Okay, I'm going to put you guys as the fast team," and I'm like, "Hold on, chief," I said, "Appreciate the offer, but we're here as an engine company, or we're here as a truck. Like we're we're not here to operate as a fast team. I don't have the equipment to be a fast team." And I think what's happened from 10 years ago, 15 years ago to present day is the understanding that the fast team is a much more important concept than just stick a company in that position like it used to be and they'll take care of it, right? Yeah. And, right. and you know, in those days, I think are, in, are numbered and or, you know, hopefully aren't happening, you know, as, as it used to. Um, and I think that's important 
to point out. And you guys, and I, I know for Wellington and Wyckoff too, and I know you guys as dear friends, and so I know the discipline of both your departments. And so you guys are a prodigy of your department, right? The, the culture and traditions that have been instilled into you guys to um, how you operate on the fire ground, how you operate socially, how your department is supposed to maintain and run forward. So, and I, kudos to you guys. And I, you know, sitting here tonight chatting with you guys, is just, it's a testament to all the guys that came before us, right? And what yeah. they've instilled in you and sure. the type of firemen yeah. you've become. I mean, I love it. Um, you know, absolutely you, love you it. speak of fast teams, and, and obviously, the more safety you have on a fire ground, you know, the better our asses are protected, right? Sure. So let's just think about it. You're inside... Mm -hmm. A burning condition. Everybody's running out. You're running in there. You're going to suppress the fire. Do what you got to do. Search and rescue. And uh, what I like about uh, with the Northwest Mutual Aid is they implemented uh, an ISO. Right. So if there's a reported work and fire, confirmed work and fire, they activate the ISO team and the incident safety officers all respond. Now, right. I, what is there? Twelve or fifteen? Or yeah. So there, I think there. I'm I'm one of them in the mutual aid. I think there's twelve of us in the mutual aid. Yeah, and I think it's great because the more eyes you have on a fire scene. Yeah. Both exterior and interior, you know, some of the safety guys will go inside and monitor your conditions. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll argue anybody at, at this point where if, if, if you're going to, you know, have anything negative to say about the ISOs or additional fast teams, and that's our safety, that's our ass, you know. Th these guys are, are monitoring a situation. If they see something that's going bad, they're going to radio the command center and say, listen, you know, we have a situation deteriorating on the second floor. We may not know it on the second floor. So right. the more eyes you have on a fire ground, especially with... To this day and age, I mean, they're building houses not like they used to in the 60s and the 70s. That's right. You know, they're going up like matchbooks. And, uh, you know, the more rides we have on a fire ground, let's be honest, we're, yeah, we're safer well, for it. You know, we're, yeah. we're there to, and, and the thing is, is that inherently in the fire service, we're designed to be aggressive. And so building construction changes, and we should all be switching tactics at some points, but we don't, right? We're, we're, we're stubborn in tradition and how we perform and and go about things and so new building construction should be dictating different types of responses and different types of firefighting and what's what's happening is is we're not and so um we're, we're slow to change when we talk about things like that i i think on the on the grand scale right there's a there's a lot of guys out out in front saying like you know uh lightweight construction um it took trust i mean think about it we were just talking about with jim Doherty, bowstring trust it took several catastrophic fires that killed brothers before change started to come around. Yeah. You know, and, and we're not fast to change in the fire service. And so what's happening now is all this light duty construction, gusset plates, glued materials and everything else. We're having immediate failures. I mean, we're having buildings collapse prior to the arrival of the sure, fire department sure. because, you know, an open free burning fire in a, in a newly constructed building is you're talking catastrophic Loss. I mean, well, let's talk about Edgewater for a minute, right? Right. So, so they didn't have heavy fire on arrival. They had fire in the walls, and it got up into the ceiling. The, the Edgewater one was the uh, that yeah, by, uh, apartment complex, right? Was yeah, the correct. The Walnut River across Road the there. across yeah. the river. For everybody listening, this was a massive uh, three story, four story, yeah, three four story. Yeah, condo complex. complex. Uh, stick built. Uh, stick stick built. Yeah. Uh, across yeah, the river from Manhattan, right on the Hudson. Right, right so, on the Hudson right, River. Correct. A lot of wind. Right. Antiquated water supply in the area, um, and so on. So it. Uh, There's that, a NIOSH report in the in the waiting. Thankfully, it just didn't turn out that way. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, and, and and those guys, you know, Edgewater Fire Department, very aggressive. I mean, I know a lot of guys from that whole mutual aid system, you know, and they they stayed in there probably a little bit longer than they should. But thank God those guys came out. Yeah. Because, you know, those conditions deteriorated. Right. In a very drastic way. Right. Real quick. 
And, I, and, I, and to back to what you said, Tim, I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, incident command, incident safety, accountability. I mean, these are all issues today that, you know, you guys are telling stories from 25 years ago, 30 years ago. And, you know, you sit here and listen to the hip boots and the long coats and you grab the pack and ran upstairs and put the fire yeah. out. You know, the fires then are not the fires now. And that's cliche, but it's true. Listen, when you, you wear know? your air pack for a car fire back in the 80s and the 90s, yeah, you know, there was a word for you. Yeah, they were busting your <laughs> you know, balls. Like, yeah. you know, was, yeah. we, can't, yeah. we can't televise that, but there was a word for you. You know, nowadays, because with all the, you know, the materials that are built in the vehicles, you got to be crazy not to, you know? Yeah. Right. So, no mix hoods. I mean, you know, they, it's, it's, thank God for all the uh, additional safety equipment. So going into your, into the two of you, and like, uh, and Bobby, I'll start with you. What's like, what's something that's happened in your career that's like, cha- like it was like the, the career changing moment for you? Or is there like certain events? I know we talked about the one fire before, but like, it, were there things that had ha- have happened when you were inside, either on, on a warm, on a call or whatever, and you were just like, man, like it was that, like that light bulb came on and you were like, hey man, we gotta, this no, is a real deal. I, I think what we talked about before with the gear change and, mm-hmm. and uh, the equipment and uh, your air packs and your pass alarms and everything else, I think, you know, we've seen enough stuff happening that, you know, it was time for change. Can you think and of something it, that you saw personally that you were like, personally, we got to drive the change, we got to be a, a driving force in this, or is it just more stuff you saw no, around? No, I mean, I was around for Hackensack Ford, so I know yeah, we just uh, you mentioned that, that before, you right? know, yeah. I was around for that, so uh, for July weekend, and that was a big, big picture changer, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not only for Hackensack Fire Department, for the whole fire service. Yeah. You know, and then uh, uh, just the big fires I've seen in general. You know, it, it's, it, it was just a big picture changer, you know, for firefighter safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we talked about that uh, on, at other times here. And, you know, just to reiterate, I mean, it's, uh, there, was a, there was a significant time span in the fire department and the fire service, uh, that there was a lot of change that came about. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sitting here as we're talking about that. And as Rob asks questions like mm-hmm. that, and I sit here and I go, what's happening today. That's like the big change for the fire service, right? Like where, you know, back in the eighties, we had bowstring truss, accountability, incident command gear, like the list can go on and on. Right. But we've come so far that I'm thinking to myself now, we talk about like mass shootings and things like that, that the fire department sure. is very much involved, involved with. In. But I'm wondering, like, I'm trying to think, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank. And I don't cancer. know if that's a good thing. Cancer. But that, that's cancer. Right. That's yes, right. thank you. Okay, perfect. I, I went out to the perfect. house in Nashville, and I was, like, you know, because we talked about, like, hey, you got to wash your gear. Yeah, right, decon like, your gear. And, 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 and Jim had one aspect of it was, like, you're going to go into this, like, multi-million dollar home, and you're going to smell like garbage, you know. Right. You can't be doing that. Like, but at the same time, I was shocked when I went out to uh, Firehouse Nashville and I was watching the guys, I think it was from Murfrees, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and the guys from Nashville and um, Knoxville, they had a uh, inch and three quarter on like an old, like it was the, the pull down shower in my high school chem lab, you know? And them guys were, when they were done with the day, they were still in their air, air pack and they, they pulled down this shower and they doused themselves off. I said, what are they doing? They're getting, they're like, well, they're washing. So this is out out in the field. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. Those, those if, you th- came if you think about yeah. that, that's uh, that's a so home run. I remember uh, Lieutenant Dave Walsh. He's retired from Arlington, but he was saying I think it was Ottawa, Canada, had like safety and innovation, like the chief of safety and innovation or something. It was a, a very unique name, but they were going around and like you didn't you didn't own your helmet like you do now. Like 
after a fire, you come come out, and they had this like unit that responded to fires. And they're like, we'll switch them out. Yeah, what's your, what's your <laughs> you, what helmet do you have? Here's your helmet. Let me just get your shield off. What coat? You're a 44 long. All right, here you go. And like, and they wow. just and they're swapping this stuff wow. out. So you're I've never heard that. Back. That's pretty. So, pretty that's wild. wild, huh? Yeah. yeah, but it's it's happening and it's out there. I mean, so I, I think I think cancer is definitely. Something. I mean, it's my biggest concern. And I, I think Absolutely, it, all of us. I mean, and yeah. I'm glad that awareness is finally, you know, peeking to the top because well, at the I end think, of the day, I mean, it's very important. I think it's a lot of, important. especially for us in, in the metro New York area, you know, 9-11, what do we hear now? It's just 9-11 cancer deaths right. constantly. constantly. Every day. Constantly. We drive in and our guys. And, and, and one thing I like, what I'm saying is, you know, we, we get a job or any kind of fire, everybody's got a spare hood, take their hood home, right. wash it, get it, send it right. out, get it washed. Right. Switch their hoods out. So, yeah. yeah, I just you know just to to bring it back. I mean, just thinking about the things that greatly influenced the fire service. I think we've in thirty years we've come, and you know, and this is just my time frame, right? Twenty less than twenty five years in for me, we've come a very long way, um, and I hope you know. I think firefighter health and safety is of the utmost. I mean, look at firefighter fitness. I mean, it's never been a bigger thing than it is now, right? And taking care of your heart and heart attacks and. You know, all those things. I think that's where a lot of the attention is spent now in the fire services, well-being. Or, Go ahead. or it's, I mean, would you, would you, I, would, I always think there's this, um, we want people to be safe. And you were talking about incident safety officers and rapid intervention teams or fast teams, and that's like a great thing to have in the fire service. But I also think there's this, like, we discussed it uh, the one the other week, that just this element of, like, we're almost too safe sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, and and it, the, like the, and if the pendulum can swing both ways, and when it swings in the other direction, man, it can have some some results that really make us not look too too good in the public side. Well, it also can interfere with our job. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Inherently, firefighting is a dangerous job. We right. signed up for this, right? Inherently, right. So we we try to do. You know, we talked about uh, uh, rip or uh, uh, escape harnesses, right? Bailout kits, things like that. And we have them in my town. We've made them mandatory, and. We can go on and on about why or why not, but at the end of the day, is we've had we had some pushback from some older guys and guys that didn't want to, and it was all about comfort. It had nothing to do with saving your life. It was all about I don't want to wear it because it's an extra fifteen pounds on me, or I don't want to do this. It's bulky, whatever. And I look at it this way, and I say, well, hold on, guys, real quick. This is this is another piece of equipment that we're affording you to go home at night. So if you have to train on this once or twice a year. And this potentially could save your life, like an SCBA or some other type of piece why of equipment. Right. If we can afford this to you, why would you push back on that? We want to make everything easy and better for you. And then you, you think about it that way and you say, I'm giving you a piece of equipment to let you go home. Another assurance that I can get you home at night. Absolutely. You're going to argue with me? And a lot of times your argument goes away. But um, and anyway, we, we've gotten off course a little bit. I'd love to pose the same question to... Um, to uh, Tim, about accomplishments and, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and so on. And what we asked uh, Bobby before, something in your career that's uh, an accomplishment, some great goals, something that changed you to the fireman you are today. Is there anything that really sticks out? You know, I, I guess it's all, it's all about training, you know. And uh, the one thing I always do when I instill in my, my boys, I got a 15-year-old and 8-year-old, and obviously they're following daddy to the firehouse, is, is the respect level, right? So... So I'm, I'm, I got 31 years in the service, but the one thing that I always do is I gravitate to the older guys. Mm-hmm. I always want to hear about their stories, yep. you know, because it's it's my due diligence now is when the younger guys are coming into our firehouse, it's my job to, you know, to share my stories with them. You know, you can have all the certificates in the world. It's experience that's going to make you a better firefighter. 
it's good it's the experience that's going to make you take the next step into challenging yourself a little bit further and it's all about you know respect and listening to the older guys you know they're they're the real guys they're the ones with the stories you know you can go into the, all the training you want go into the simulators and that's great we need it it's going to you know make you a little bit more comfortable but it's the experience that that you have to listen you got to open up your ears and your fires eyes you and fight. more fires you fight and more mm-hmm. stories you hear you know but as far as uh, you know it's it's the training um, you know, I was fortunate to join, you know, Engine Company 202 in Wallington back in the day. And, and by doing that, I joined the emergency squad and, uh, you know, with the scuba team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so was, let's talk about that. Because yeah, you that guys, was the thing yeah. that I really, you know, Bobby, you know, sat me down on one day and he says, listen, you want to join the dive team? And I, and I went for my certification, which is in blue water. You know, it's beautiful, you know, 20 feet visibility. You know, I get my open water. Everything is good. And then he throws me into the Pacific River. <laughs> So let me let me just yeah let me just preface this. So Wallington is one of three or four agencies in our county, four right now, four that are responsible for all dive rescue. Whether it's dive for victims, bodies recovery, they also do evidence recovery uh, and so on. So they're responsible for basically any underwater activity. Yeah, somebody here recovered. I've written a bio recovered a hand gun and a homicide, right? Yes, I'm to seek. Yeah. Yeah. So what's exciting about that is that these guys are very much dedicated to that craft. Mm-hmm. And in the fire service, we always talk about firefighting, but it's all the other stuff, the rescue services and everything we provide. And I'm in awe of you two. I mean, I grew up, I was a lifeguard and, you know, I did all those things, but never got into the craft of diving and so on. And I, I tip my hat to you guys. Um, I had you up by us for training the one night mm-hmm. and we had a blast and took you out on a boat and just to watch your guys perform and the the valuable service that you provide because never are you called for something that's not important you know and so i i value what you guys do and i'd love for you just to talk about it a little bit if you wouldn't mind specialty um, yeah it's a, it's a specialty uh it's, it's definitely a special service uh we we wind up uh, orga- reorganizing our scuba team because in the 60s we had one believe it or not and back then the equipment wasn't perfected uh, you were diving in polluted water, and the guys just really couldn't do the job. So uh, they wind up giving it up in the 60s. And then uh, we always had water rescues in town because we were bordered by the Basaic River. And whenever we needed a dive team, we called them Bergen County Police. They were one of the few that had a team. Right. And from working with them in, in the mid-'80s, uh, we says, well, why don't we explore this, you know, and see what we can do here to maybe – rejuvenated and, right. we, and we did and uh unfortunately the town didn't think much of it and they they didn't support it at all so we started raising our own funds by fundraising and and uh sooner or later we were able to buy some equipment we had a a, a tasty cake uh, truck donated to us and we uh refurbed that thing and yeah that that grew and then we had a record newspaper truck donated to us. was a little better, you know, and uh, that expanded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it wound up, uh, we had quite a few guys getting interested in it. And yeah. uh, we were one of the few teams in the area. And we've we seen a lot of work. Yeah. We've seen a lot of work. Can, you, can you maybe hit on a few, Bob, some highlights? Sure. Some, I know you were involved in yeah, many, I mean, uh, many rescues. First of all, Bob, recovery. when you put him in the water, he's a magnet. <laughs> I've... I have dove many, many a times on both rescue recoveries. Anytime he goes in the water, I've, he's coming home with somebody. 
Yeah. He's a magnet. And, 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 so like and, if you want it to be a short evening, just send Bob right in the way. Send Bob. Yeah, <laughs> Let's go. We got to go home. And it, yeah. it, 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 it is a, a very big team effort because there's a lot to be done, you know, as far mm-hmm. as, you know, you know, just setting everything up. And they say a diver is nothing but uh, dope on a rope. Dope on a rope. You know, his tender's control and his patterns and everything because you can't see when you're down there. So it's everything. Yeah. You know, and we're fortunate to have some good equipment. Uh, we do have one. Uh, I would say I would think we'd have the best equipment. Uh, we do have full face masks and communications right. and so forth. But uh, calls, call-wise, uh, I think memorable would have to be uh, Newark. We had a car going to water. Uh, three people were in a Jeep Cherokee and went off uh, Raymond Boulevard. Uh, they they couldn't get a hold of a dive team, and somehow through spin, they, we were activated. We went down there, and we got down there. We found the car, and uh, we had a hard time getting in. Our mutual aid came in, helped us out, and we wind up. We really had to hook the car up to a tow line to get it out to yeah. remove the bodies until we got the you know the car up on a, on a bank a little bit. But what I'm driving at is on in that call, not even. A maybe two weeks later, in the same exact spot, another car went in the water, and when it went in the water, ran over a hom- homeless man on the riverbank, killed the homeless man on wow. the bank, Ooh. and then left the trail and went in the water. And we went in the second week for that, and it was like within two weeks, and it was in March. The water was cold. It was cold out. It yeah. was actually St. Patrick's Day because we were down in South Amboy. Uh, <laughs> with our good friends from South Amboy, yeah, and uh, yeah, the next morning, next next morning, they're watching on TV and go, "Oh my God, you guys were just here partying with us all day yesterday, and they're in the Passaic River today." You know, they recovered quite well. But those are two memorable, and, and we've had a few. I mean, I found little kids, and and everybody says, "Why do you want to do it?" And and you think about it, and you look at the families. I have a, I have a scrapbook that I've started since the dive team its origination i i have a, a book of right. everything that we've been on mm-hmm. and in that book uh we have a, we got called to carney one time and uh, i was actually at the field practicing with my kids coaching and we got called to carney for uh, a little boy uh they were playing by the river and somebody threw his sneakers in and i guess the kid wasn't that fortunate in life the kid didn't know how to swim, but he was going to get his sneakers, and the kid drowned. Yeah. Well, I have this nice letter and a card from the mother because we found it. And, and then when people say, why do you do it? Uh, you know, you picture, God forbid, your family sure. with a missing child on the bottom of it, sitting on the bottom of that river. You know, you want to bring them home. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times it's a recovery. But he always got that chance. And he'll tell you, we, we got called to Garfield one time. If it wasn't the delay in a call, the kid yeah. the kid lived for about 12 hours. Cold and, year old boy. Even the kid in Corny lived for a while on, on life support. But then they had to pull a plug. But, uh, you know, it comes close that someday. And how, how old was the kid in, in Carney again? Carney, he was 10, I believe. 10-year-old, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, yep. Well, one of the things I always told by somebody who worked in there, one of the critical incident stress debriefing teams once, and I don't know if you'd feel the same way, but it was that, because um, I, I had trouble dealing with some, some calls before, and like they said, like, you know, one of the things, it, it didn't have the outcome you wanted, 
you always got to remember that the family knows that all of you guys surrounding that person, that person was surrounded by people who loved them. Even though they didn't, they didn't know who they were, there was an unconditional yeah. Yeah. caring for that person, yeah. and they can appreciate that. Yeah. I was like, and I was a good back pocket skill that I always keep with me yeah. to, to remind yeah. me. Cause, sure. Yeah. And, I, and I just, I don't know if it, it, it pertains to the diet team, but yeah, yeah you know. I'll tell you though, but I, and thank you for sharing those. Yeah. I mean, that's that. And Tim, I know you're very much uh, you were involved in. You're trying to get, you know, trying to motivate some and yes. see what you can do. But uh, you oh, know, do I, a quick story. Give me a story. Yeah, listen, me, you talk me about a quick story. <laughs> On the one call I was talking about in Garfield, when yeah, the kid went off and it was in a war that we almost had a good yeah. shot of saving. Poor. Tim's wife was in a hospital having a baby <laughs> right yep. after that. And he couldn't hold a baby for how many days? A week? Couldn't hold a, a baby week for a because week. he wound up getting a fungus from <laughs> the riverbank on oh that side. My and his, gosh. Lip, his lip looked like a Ubangi. <laughs> <laughs> but he couldn't, he couldn't hold his poor kid. Oh, was that yeah. Timothy? It was Timothy, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, he went down and he made the recovery. And I was on the way down as his backup diver. And he came up with a 12 year old boy. So we pulled him up to the riverbank. And because it was so quick, you know, we had time to do CPR. It was in that golden time. And uh, I ripped my mask off. When I came off, I wear these sharp gloves, and it cut my lip. And yeah. immediately I just felt it starting to blow up, blow yeah, up, yeah, blow yeah. up. And then it just went bad from there. Uh, so, yeah. quick story. Oh, so good. <laughs> many of them. That just yeah, sums it up. That's just you guys, though, right? I mean, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> we could sit here all day that's talking it. about dive calls. I mean, it just it's a very elite group. Without um, a doubt. Yeah. You know, uh, like you said, you're dope on a rope, and that tender basically has your ass. I mean, he's telling you where to go in that water, left, right, up and down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, nine out of ten times, it's, uh, you know, you, you want the best for the family, like Bobby was saying. And uh, But it's, it's, it's listen, it's, it's under stress conditions. There's well, no it, it, and that's what I was going to say, right? Like, I have to think that by the time you're that special and elite company is being dispatched to a dive call, time is already against you. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. you know, for you to do that active recovery, if you're not there immediately, you know, for a survival situation, it's difficult. Best, it chance, to be. best, yeah. best chance is cold water. But. Right. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. we would no matter what we go first, first hour, any call is rescue. Right. And after that's recovery. Right. But I have to think, I mean, I just, you know, I think of the um, and especially on a volunteer level. The commitment to training and time that's dedicated to uh, okay, what's required for that. Yeah, I mean, that's a specific. This is not something that's supposed yeah, to be like. Uh, you start off with basic training, but then it just it right. gets more intense. And there's different levels of certification, certification too, right? And yeah. so on. Yeah, so and now we're now we're doing crime scene and all that too because we're doing evidence recovery. So it, can, can we talk about the one the, the call that you guys mentioned about recovering the firearm from the homicide you Yeah. Yes. So like. Because like, how how is that? Because I, I mean, I know if I went back to the firehouse, I'm like, yeah, I was interviewing these guys from the fire department, and they recovered a handgun from a homicide. I'd be like, what were they doing there in the first place? But you know, yeah. So I tell you, it was it was a good call. Uh, it was about two o'clock in the morning. The uh, city Passaic police department dispatched our dive team um, to see if we can come out there and find the uh, the murder weapon, which was used in a homicide in the city Passaic. And uh, we you know we put our guys in there, and I was either third or fourth diver in. And my tender, you know, we had a little plan before we went out there. I said to him, you know, extend me about 30 feet out and then bring me in. And I wasn't underwater about maybe five to seven minutes, and I just came right on top of it. Because it's, it's zero visibility, so it's just basically feel, touch, right? and feel, touch, yeah, and feel, nice. touch and feel. And I came across, my, my fingertips touched the barrel. And at that point, you know, you're shocked. You're like, did I really just find this handgun? And, uh, you know, we were too diligently. 
obviously. Yeah. Put it in a palm yeah. of my hand. <laughs> Look at that guy. <laughs> yeah, right. It may be loaded, too. <laughs> it's up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it's like a needle in a haystack. Let's be honest. I mean, it's black water, zero visibility, 2 o'clock in the morning. you got a current hitting you. So, you know, you really don't have a lot of time. You know, you want to be in there for 20 minutes because that's our SLGs. Regardless of how much air you breathe, in 20 minutes you're out because you can't see your gauges. And I was fortunate enough to uh, to bring that uh, that handgun up, and they incarcerated the guy for homicide. Yeah. Wow. And so, so they were able to wake it right to the homicide number everything. Yeah, because yeah. what they did was they, they witnessed the uh, – so, so the gentleman that they had in question – Brought him to the site yeah. and said, "This is where I launched the handgun." Yeah, he had a good marker where he threw it. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah. yeah, ah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah so it was good. that was one of many. I mean, I could tell you, it was just it was just being at the right place at the right time. Yeah. But uh, you, you know, the training and the certification. Well, back, back then, we didn't do much evidence recovery either, but we did it basically as a favor. Right. We, we right. did it for calls that one time too, right. with domestic and and. We went off the bridge, and we went early in the morning, so we wouldn't cause a ruckus. And it was a low tide. We figured we'd have some visibility. We found three guns. Neither one of them <laughs> were the ones they were looking for. No way. Really? <laughs> Swear to God. No oh. <laughs> they weren't very happy yeah. because there was a lot of reporting yeah, yeah, and a lot yeah. of recording to do. And, and, wow. And, uh, and, like, those, those firearms, when you recovered them, they're loaded. Well, or, or... Maybe, you maybe can't not. take the chance. Oh yeah, if they're not, right. you know. But yeah, you got to be very That's cautious wild. with yeah. them. And These are there for a while. I mean, one was was, was an actual yeah. Uzi. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, but the thing was all rusted up. Yeah, it was right. it you, rusted I mean, up. Every time you pulled another gun, they're like, all right, done. Stop, yeah, yeah. guys. We got enough. We got enough paperwork to do. That's funny. Overtime budgets is kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. Higher and higher. That's it. That's it. That's wild. I, I have to say I'm in awe of you guys because I, I, you know, I, I look at the amount of time that's put into just firefighting and learning that craft, right? And then, you know, you step up as an officer, a senior man, and so on, and then all of a sudden you bring in a whole different discipline. And I thank you. I mean, that, that's it's incredible. It really is. So one thing I, I had asked Jim before, and I want to ask you guys, if you, could, if you could go back to the younger version of yourself who's starting their career out, what advice would you give the younger version of you? Of you? Listen to your older members. Listen to your older members, like we talked about. I mean, the the most most uh, knowledge comes from your experience. I mean, you're not going to get experience until you talk to these guys. And right. and we have. I know we're doing Wallington, and I'm sure you guys do in your departments. But uh, we have a a big thing for respect. Mm-hmm. And when a younger guy's come in a firehouse, they better respect their older gentlemen and their older members and, and listen to them. And when they tell stories like we're telling today, that's where you're going to gain your knowledge from. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, when, when, when you sign up for the job of being a, a firefighter, both volunteer and career, you know, there's a big task that goes along with it. One being that you got to put your full dress uniform on and you got to go to funerals and you got to go to wakes and you got to respect the brotherhood that served before us or right. served with us. Mm-hmm. You don't you have, have to, to know. You big void in there. You don't have to know. Like Bobby said, you know, you got to respect it. It's a brotherhood, and, and it's all part of the duties. You know, you sign up for to do it. It's good, bad, or otherwise, but you, you have to do it. You got to show respect. Yeah. You know, it, it comes 360. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you have to be there yeah. for that. The good, bad, the ugly. Yeah, and, you know, and what we do, I mean, this is a big fraternity, right? And it's, it's all about the brotherhood, right? Whether male, female, regardless, it's the brotherhood, right? And it's the brotherhood of the fire service and everything. And this is this is why Rob and I started doing what we're doing is we wanted to bring forth the importance 
of culture and tradition in the fire service. And a lot of that stems from Bob, like you said. I mean, you have, just for everybody watching and listening, Bob, you have two sons that are career firefighters. I had, at and, one point, I had nine relatives in the same fire company. That's incredible. I mean, legacy. Cousins, uncles. And, yeah. and you know, and, and you think about that. I mean, one, it's a testament to the fire service. It's, it's another testament to your family. And, you know, I know families where the kids grew up and they're like, I want nothing to do with that. My father was never home or he didn't do this, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Right? And so it can go either way. But the fact that, you know, Wallington, per se, um, has such a strong culture that nine family members were like, yep, I'm doing this. Like, I'm in, you know. Um, and I hope my, my kids uh, get involved, you know, and you have two sons that are both career firemen, right? Newark, New Jersey and down in Baltimore County. Yes. And I have to think that that's an incredible highlight for you. Absolutely. Very proud. And it's a testament to you. you, you the Instilling the values of the fire service into your boys is incredible. We were talking about this, I think, before the podcast started. But, you know, I do the same with my kids and my kid, you know, my younger kids are, you know, uh, they understand the importance of the firehouse. My older kids do too, but I'm saying, you know, um, th- they all get it and they get how important it is. And I know your, your kids do Tim and, yeah, and so on. But, um, you know, I, I just, I, I look at guys like you and I go, man, that's, that's a home run. When you're, when your kids love what you brought to the home, you brought the fire service to your kids. And not only did they partake in your volunteer service, but they loved it so much. And, uh, they have a passion for it that they wanted to make it their career. Yeah. I think, you know, and I tell you, I and, and then back in 1970, Bobby's uncle died in the line of duty. Yeah. He Is was, that right? He was yeah. a fire in East Rutherford, and uh, back in 1970, he, he, you know, he was killed in the line of duty. So it just goes to show you the testament of the commitment wow. of the family. You know, back then you would have said, "This is too dangerous. You're not going to do it." And here it is, the family. That was 1970. 1970. He was 34 years old. It's my cousin Al. Do you, uh, you mind talking about just on it a little bit? Or is what, what? Sure. Uh, they had a fire. It was on uh, Edison Place in East Rutherford. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a two-story frame. Uh, and it had a porch on the second floor. And he was a big guy. He was probably like Timmy. And um, he was working actually around a corner in his family glass business. And he was putting it in the storefront. And he heard the East Rutherford alarm go in. And was right around the corner. So... He got there right before our engine got there, right. and he was helping out. And then uh, he went up to the second floor, and he needed a line on the second floor. So he reached over to the railing, and they were going to pass him up the line. And the railing was only held in with, like, a couple nails on each side when he put his weight on the railing. I guess it was icy out that day. It was a winter day. He might have slipped a little bit and put some pressure on a railing, and a whole railing came down, and he fell off the second floor porch, landed on his head. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he lived in a coma for uh, almost a week. It was five days exactly. He lived in a coma, and, and then he had to pull a plug on him because he uh, you know, had no brain function. And he lost his eyesight, they said. And, wow. Uh, yeah, he had two brothers that were in the department. His brother rode with him in the ambulance to the hospital. And the last thing he said to him was that that his head was killing him, and that was it. And then he went out and never came out of it. Wow. And his three sons became firemen. As a testament to him. Yeah, yeah, they were very young at the time. I think it was eight, six, and four. Wow. Wow. And then all three became firemen after that. 
And Tim, you have history too, right? Down there, your your father. Yeah. So my father, uh, actually, my my great uncle uh, was one of the original founders of the East Rutherford Emergency Squad back in 1939. 39. Yeah. So we go. <laughs> uh, wow. Yes. Yeah, so you want to talk about generations? Yeah. I mean, uh, we really we peaked pretty hard down there. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been good. That's it. I, I love it though. Look at the legacy, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, just no, the, the pride and, and honor to serve. Well, that, that's where it is, and that's that's where you're. you're you could be taught respect, but it's got to be in your blood. You know, when, when you're around a firehouse at such a young age and you see what the camaraderie is, you know, you're almost forced to be molded into that. And, and it's easily when, when you're around good people. Yeah. You know, and older people. You know, not age is important, but it's the experience that you serve on a fire service. And that's where I learned it from such a very young age was hanging around with my pop, you know, going to the firehouse and see what he did. Yeah. And I think I'm mirroring, you know, him. I, I hope I am because I was very proud of him. And I think, you know, for myself as a kid going around the firehouse, like I knew that every one of those older firemen had a right and permission for my mom to smack the shit out of me if I got out of line. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And one of them told me once, Todd was like, listen, I'll knock your ass right down. Yeah, and sure. He'll knock it off. And I was yeah. like, yeah, he's okay. going to knock me right down. You know, so like it's, yeah. So real quick, I just got to ask, the, you both got different patches on from your respective organizations. What's the deal with the hot shots? I'm going to tell you how the hot shots started. In, in the 60s, uh, that's when there was a lot of riots <laughs> around. All right? And the uh, city of Basake had riots going on, and Wallington actually had to close the bridges. Is that right? That's how bad it got, yeah. So, uh, of course, they were lighting fires and stuff. Newark was out of control at the time. So what had happened was our fire company was asked through mutual aid to Basake. And this is right when crew and all that started. But uh, when they started that, they were going to send the engine over there, and because of the conditions and everything that was going on, they only sent a limited crew on the engine to go. Well, the rest of the guys got pissed off because the guys were going over there right. and getting all the action. So the nickname came up. Uh, there go the hot shots again. They're going over to Basake. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where it actually started with the hot shots. That's cool. But then what they decided to do after that, you had to earn the patch. So when when a, oh, new, mem- when a new member came in, <clears throat> yep, they had to earn the hot shot patch. And when you earned your patch, you got the devil on on your patch. That's, that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, that is very yeah, cool. But that's how the hot shot started. It was a uh, it was a lot of guys pissed off because certain guys were going to the fires and they weren't. <laughs> that's great. Do you still carry that tradition or no? <clears throat> yeah, but mostly yeah. You know, yeah. They have to earn it, but they don't have to earn it. Not like they did years ago. I get it. I get it. Not like they did years ago. Yeah. And, and, and Tim, what about the one on, on yours? From like so, <laughs> so this one is the uh, the island of Murrayville. And uh, I guess so my dad was in a fire service uh, for many years. Unfortunately, he left us way too young. And um, in memory of him, I, I created the uh, Island of Murrayville Fire Department. I was actually fortunate enough to buy a 1972 CF Mack fire truck from Walden, New York. Walden is a good bunch of friends of ours. We used to go up there every other June for a parade and, again, camaraderie. Right. So there was some of the fire truck, and I bought it, and I named it uh, in memory of my dad, Peter Murray. Okay. All right. So we created a patch, and uh, it's just been growing ever since. Yeah, it's That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, very cool. And yeah, we used to go to praise, and everybody used to say, yeah. Where's, what else? Where, where is that? Where's yeah, Murray? Right. Where's, yeah. They wrote up all the thing. Of where yeah, was, you can put it anywhere you want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> right now, it's here in your town. Backstep, yeah. you know, the old hose cover, wherever, awesome. wherever you want. <laughs> that 
is funny. That's I, I know a couple of people from Walden, so it's uh, interesting there. Yeah, they were a great yeah. bunch of guys. Well, we had good times. Yeah, yeah. They stopped the parade after a while, so we didn't go up as often. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can see a parade in Walden maybe getting a little out of hand. Maybe it was a fun time. I don't know. I'm sure it was a good I time. I can tell you, when we were up there, it was... Um, Memories. <laughs> Memories. We used to go, we on go Friday, for the weekend. Come home on the yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's funny. Everybody thought it was three hours away. <laughs> we used to bring an engine and all. It was a good yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, sounds like it. I love it. I mean, guys, thank you. I, yeah, you know, I mean, we, we could go on and on. And, oh, yeah. and I, I really, I just deep down from within, I mean, I thank you personally. I mean, this yeah. is a new project for Rob and I. Um, you guys are dear friends of mine, and uh, I appreciate you being here tonight, taking time out to. Uh, yeah be here and um and for giving us a perspective on the dive team because like yeah that's not something i don't swim very well and i hate swimming in water that i can't see the bottom of so that listen they are, <laughs> it's one thing they taught us right from the beginning you don't have to learn or know how to swim to be a diver you, you can go to the bottom and walk out <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I want to be. Yeah, that's really good. polluted water. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, this poor guy got a funk on his face. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this kid, yeah. that's just what the kid's going to bring back in the fire service. Don't couldn't catch me because he got an STD from the water <laughs> yeah. on the river. That's true, Dad. But I, yeah. I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, uh, it was really, a pleasure. And, yeah, yeah and we're going to be doing a lot more of this. And, you know, you guys are always welcome back. And, and as we go forward, we're going to be trying to do some other things. And so you guys will certainly be on the top of the list to get back in here. Mm -hmm. But uh, I can't thank you enough. And uh, thank you yeah, for being here. Thanks, so thanks, hey, thanks for having us on the late yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, uh, the late show. The late, late show. show. <laughs> the late show. I love it. Thank you, brothers. And uh, Misty Fallon's going to be jealous. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Chief Bobby Ventura. Ace, we call him. Tim Murray. Rob Ridley. And Jeremy Donch. Thanks for watching National Fire Radio, guys. We'll catch you next time. Everybody be safe. Be safe out there. Thanks. Take Thanks. care. Oh, don't bang on the table. <laughs> <laughs> guys, thank you.